0: uh i don't know it's sometime in the next few weeks i'm gonna talk about what 2020 has i typically have a uh, state of the church um as we start into a new year i haven't done that yet but god's laid on my heart to to do that sometime in the the near future and uh I don't know maybe after we get through Easter um, but uh, it's been a it's been a blessed year a year of uh, either David Jeremiah or John MacArthur said it's been a year of clarity um, and and that is for sure um, but uh, we've been blessed We I, I haven't announced but God's still working here he's still got a plan for our future and and it's happening. Uh, we closed on the house uh, a few weeks ago and uh, which is part of our master plan to whenever we build a new sanctuary it's it's not if it's when uh, that's that's the faith um, that that I have that god's gonna re uh, stabilize this ship and um we'll be back to normal um someday Uh, and we (laughs) we talked about we've had a van for years ever since i've been here this church had a van and it wasn't used a whole lot occasionally and not to discredit any of that, but it's it set for and been broke into once and the steering column torn apart and somebody this past winter stole the catalytic converter off of it and we took it and had it fixed and uh, this past week and we talked about getting rid of it because the only time that we ever um, use it is to go to Pigeon Forge and we in fact had to rent an extra one um, which is really cheaper to rent one for that one time a year than it does us to pay the insurance and maintain it. And so this past week um, or the past meeting, the board uh, uh, decided to give that van um, to Bethesda Services. And, and this morning, I think Tom said there was eight or six or eight people here God bless you all, and we hope you feel as welcome here as anywhere you ever go. Um, And we're just glad it's being put to good use. Uh, um, Due to, you know, while everybody hadn't walked off and left me on the camera, but those of you that are still here may do so too, I don't know. Um, but recent changes in social distancing. We had announced last week that we were going to have two services to accommodate the crowd, but with those changes, our seating meets the new distancing qualifications. And so um, we think that we can accommodate without overcrowding um, based on our attendance, uh, which is coming back, but we can do that in one service. And so we'll just have one service next Sunday morning for Easter. And, uh, we felt all along it'd be better that we all can be together. And as folks in, you know, are getting their second vaccine and, and everyone that is really at most risk in our counties had the opportunity to get their second vaccine and be fully. And, and I know this past Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, Everyone that's uh, eligible from sixteen or eighteen, whatever that age group is um is able to get it now and it's just uh, uh you know our county went from dropped the red uh it it God's at work, and it'll all come together and we're we're thankful um for what's transpiring in our midst, and I'll just leave it at that. Johnny Smith, um, man. Just overwhelms me that you and Nancy are here this morning. I'll, I'll let you, good to see you. This is week four. In our Easter series, we've had topics betrayed for me, forsaken for me, accused for me, and today Jesus was punished for me. Darkness all over the land. You can hear in the silence... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The most climactic moment in all of history, Matthew describes in chapter twenty seven. I would encourage you to go read Matthew 27 and John, Mark, and Luke's account toward the end of their Gospels. But Matthew, so he just shows the suffering and the punishment of Jesus. He uh, talks about the scourging the cat of nine tails, which was simply a brutal whip with bone tied to the end of nine different pieces of leather, that they say that when they hit you with it, it literally was tearing away the flesh to where organs could be showing. The crown of thorns, I, I don't know if that's a true depiction. But that's pretty close to what we saw, the the bush that they took from and made it crammed on the top of his head, forced to carry his own cross after that with the rawness of his back. weighed over a hundred and some pounds. Um, the Via Della Rosa, which is, you've heard the, that that word or that terminology. It's simply the route from Pilots Hall to Golgotha. Um, we walked it in 2013 to think that he would have had to carry his cross or try to. We know he didn't have to do it by himself. There was someone else appointed during that journey. But it probably took a couple hours to make that from Pilate's Hall to Golgotha. I, I, I just can't imagine the pain and the suffering, the punishment, That Christ endured, and then when they arrived at the place of the skull, which is what Golgotha is, and you can literally standing from afar, if you were here and it was off in the distance, you can see that emboldened in the stone on that side of that hill. To think that they took and drove nails through his hands. And then his feet. My goodness, we cringe at a paper cut. And then the, the dying from the asphyxiation to the point to where he had to lift himself up to breathe while hanging there. The gruesomeness of that punishment. And yet in John 129, there was a statement of Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was punished for me, and you for my sins and yours. Isaiah 53 5 says, Wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our sins. What if we just stopped for a minute and thought about our sins and that punishment and take just a second to confess them Cart Blanche, just God forgive me of my sins that caused that punishment. The punishment that brought us peace was placed upon him. Punished for me, I like to say, and by his stripes, I, not just we, I. I want it to become personal to me. I want you to make it personal. To you, by His stripes we are healed. Jesus was taking the cup of God's wrath upon Himself. Isaiah called that cup that Jesus spoke about when in Geth- or in the Garden of Gethsemane. That cup was a cup of bitter poison. It was, in fact, our sin. The sins of the world. Jesus intercepted the wrath of God for us. He stepped in and took our bullet is a way that we can better understand. When he stated, it is finished. He was humiliated. He was betrayed. He was forsaken. Jesus was accused. And Jesus was punished. For me and you, beaten, bled, and died, not just for you, but instead of you. Matthew identifies three types of people around the cross in that moment that represents three different responses to what happened that day. My desire this morning is to see for yourself which one you identify with. First, there were the criminals that were there in Matthew 27, if you read that old chapter, which we won't take time to do. Two men, that's why when we see three crosses on a hill, those two criminals are represented also. They were justly being punished next to Jesus. And you'll find both of them were very angry at first in verse 44 because they both were mocking and cursing and yet they were receiving just reward for their crimes. They are, or then we are told that one of those individuals repents simply by stating, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus receives him, and today he is with Christ in heaven. Remember me, he stated. These two represent those that are sitting here this morning or watching online. And just as they did mock and curse that Jesus would not save them from their pain. Our lines are a little bit different. Than what theirs were. Um, It's kind of like, hey, Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, why do you not make the turmoil go away in my life? Or uh, why don't you, you know, you hear this statement, why don't you stop the hurricanes or the tornadoes or stop the disease that kills the pandemic, the pain? The hunger around the world. Those that think that pain and suffering prove that God is a fraud. Could identify with those two criminals. They'll say things like he doesn't care or he doesn't exist. However, if you've read very much of your Bible and you understand, we know Jesus was accomplishing a far greater mission Meaning that he must endure for this the salvation of mankind. For this all mankind could be delivered. Which was much more important than simply the deliverance from suffering. He must endure for us. He must be punished for us. He must take our sins on the cross. He must for us. Endure that suffering so that we might have eternal life. Eternally saving us from the hell of, and the fire and the forsakenness of God throughout all eternity. Saved me from my greatest condemnation, which is my sin. Saved you from your greatest condemnation if you put your faith and trust in him. From your sin. The cross proves to us. That he understands. The cross proves to us that he cares. The cross proves to us that he was in control. Of his own plan. The salvation of man. And if God saved me from my greatest condemnation. My sin. He won't. He don't abandon us in our struggles daily either. Second, there were the authorities who really just misunderstood Jesus' mission. They laughed. They mocked. They even went so far as to place a sarcastic sign above his head that read, Said he was king of the Jews. I'm sure they stood around on the ground and mocked and say, look at him now, didn't accomplish what he said he would. Little did they know that he was accomplishing the salvation of man through through God's plan that day on the cross. These people represent the folks that evaluate Jesus solely by what he accomplished on earth. Or did not accomplish in their minds while on earth. Primarily because of an unrealistic opinion of what he was accomplishing. And truly just do not understand what Jesus was here for. He did not do. Or they think he did not do. And they say that he did not accomplish what they expected. They simply do not see the big picture. Today it comes out more polite than what we saw demonstrated by these religious leaders. Jesus, in our day and age, it sounds like this. Jesus was a good man. (laughs) You'll hear them say, Things like, he taught some really good things. But there's some things that he taught that really didn't make sense. And he's no different than any other religious leader. You know, the things like, drink my blood and eat my flesh. You have these comments like that, if, if you hate, you've committed murder. Or if you lust, you've committed adultery. They simply do not understand. They'll say things like, Come on, folks, he's no different than Muhammad, he's no different than Buddha. And yet you go to their tomb, which we'll find out next week, and there is a difference. But ultimately, they all died. Like we do. They say if Jesus was who he said he was. Why so much pain and suffering? Why are the hospitals full? Why so much death? Ever hear that from the skeptics? Before Jesus died he stated two very important things. That show us he was up to something much bigger. Than simply stopping bad things from happening to good people first he cried out my god my god why hast thou forsaken me that's a quote if you go and look and get a bible and pick it up and read it from psalms 22 written thousands of years before christ It shows that Jesus was being forsaken by God as part of a much bigger plan that ultimately brings a greater victory than the deliverance simply from suffering. Victory that will turn death upside down. Victory that we know God planned the cross. Much bigger plan. Much bigger in that death and the grave is overcome. Second phrase: It is finished. Telestai was a shout of victory in that time. That was stamped on every note when it was paid in full. The Bible tells us that the veil in the temple was torn. That separated the people from God in the temple. It was torn from top to bottom in that it had shut off the people from God. And when Jesus cried out it was finished and the veil was torn. It showed an action of God, not man's work, but God's work, that it was finished. Through Jesus' death, God was reopening access directly from man to God. And it's, you have an advocate with the Father. And you today can kneel at this altar and know that God hears your prayers. You can know that God (coughs) is listening when you pray. (coughs) Before you reject Jesus, understand the salvation that he was providing for you that day. Understand what he accomplished for you when he died on the cross that day. Third was the outsiders. The outsiders who adore him. The criminals were angry. The establishment or the authority misunderstood but the outsiders adored him. The Roman centurion in verse 54 of chapter 27, who in awe as he watches on, who was not part of an upbringing in a Jewish or religious family, worships as he states, and he could comprehend truly this was the Son of God. How amazing that the only one who seems to get this at the crucifixion is an outsider. An oppressor, a pagan, a torturer. What does that say for us today? What does it show, first? God can. Change anyone's heart. Never give up on anyone. I talk about John Bertram often. For 10 years we prayed, and he came regularly and sat right back there in the back, close to where Tom and Nancy are sitting this morning. For 10 years we prayed. witnessed too often by many. I remember Linda and I, her offering to kneel with him in the barnyard. Myself, Everett, Johnny, at his home or in the hospital multiple times. And then out of the clear blue, One day John, Paul, and Katie witnessed to him and he trusted Christ. God can change anyone's heart. Those far away can come into the fold. Second, it shows that no matter how far away you are or how bad you are, Jesus' death is sufficient. It's sufficient. Bill, I'll never forget in the old building. I hadn't been pastor here long. And I don't know if Bill and Teresa brought him or he came by himself, but this guy came and walked in on the back row And stood right in front of where our sound booth was in that old building. And as the service ended, this guy was a big guy. He waved at me and standing over on the back row, and I thought I'd better go get help. I'm not near big enough to defend myself against this fella. and as i started to f- have those thoughts i noticed tears was rolling down his cheek his first name was Grady and as tears rolled down his cheek he had a shake in his hand and quiver in his lips he said preacher i murdered someone watch Grady go to the altar that morning after everybody was gone. Bow his head and trust Christ. And let me tell you, Jesus' death and God's grace is sufficient. And if he saved a Roman executioner, he saved Grady. And he'll save you. None. Too bad. None. Too far away. Jesus was punished for you. Which one of these three groups do you find yourself in? Are you here this morning angry and mad at God over some event that happened in your life or some event that happened in a church Or the way someone treated you. Maybe you're just mad at church, mad at God's people. Do you identify with the criminal? Are you the one that's going to walk away and die and spend eternity in hell as one of them did? Or are you going to acknowledge the saving grace of God that he was punished for you and your sin and trust him this morning? Do you misunderstand Jesus and his mission? His message? Misunderstand the church? Well, let me tell you, you're in good company because most churches misunderstand the mission And the message. (laughs) Or they misrepresent the mission through the message. Might be a better way to put it. And sometimes through the actions they take, they turn folks away instead of welcoming them in. If you're one that misunderstands, please don't miss this message this morning. Jesus was punished for you. He bled and died for you so that you might have eternal life someday. Don't you believe all the mis- misrepresentations or the false teaching coming from church or church members? You believe that Jesus was betrayed Jesus was forsaken. Jesus was accused. Jesus was punished for you. He died for you. He died instead of you. And just like that Roman centurion, an outsider realized I've got to have a tissue. Just like that Roman centurion realized there was something special about Christ. The earth had quaked. The ground had rumbled. The veil had been torn. Graves had opened up. The earth had went just pitch dark at noonday he realized there was something special about Christ, something unique, something unbelievable. He wasn't just any other man. Truly, this was the Son of God. Salvation in no other name. John 1.12 tells us, To all of us, it states, who receive him, we become the children of God. You say, how's that happen? Because he was punished for you. Romans 10, 9 says, answers that how? If we confess with your mouth, Jesus, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will. Not you might. You will be saved. goes on in verse 13 to say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, I've been invited to the priest's office. I've been invited to confession. I've been invited to go to church. I've been offered baptism, church membership. I can go on and on and on. I can tear it all apart. But the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He was punished for me. You say, it, uh, it, it, folks, it doesn't get any clearer than that. It doesn't get any plainer or simpler. I've been called a simple preacher in my time. I might be. In fact, I'll plead guilty. Thank God I am. Because if remember me was sufficient, then calling upon him and asking him to save you and forgive you of your sins is easy. You say, that's easy believism you're preaching. Yeah, I'm guilty. Thank God. Because it's simple to trust Christ. But that does not mean it's easy to live the Christian life. I refuse to make it hard. Anything other than simplicity places the gospel under attack. And folks are going to be held accountable someday before God for preaching a message other than grace. My grandfather would say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. And if you don't like it, lump it and get over it. Why? Because that's a plain, simple truth. It's easy to trust Christ. That's a miracle that takes place in a moment. It's the majesty of the work of the Holy Spirit and God inside of you that transforms your life. The Easter story, the plain, simple truth. He was punished for me, for you. Where are you this morning? The angry? The misunderstanding group that misunderstood? Or are you the centurion that stands in awe? the cross in the shadow of him dying for your sins so that you can spend eternity we make way too much about the length of our lives on earth when that's just a snippet of eternity with God someday let's